Hello, and welcome to Double Exposure, a conversation podcast about comparing and contrasting cinema old and new, viewing two films through the same lens. I'm your host and fellow movie watcher, Bear Boswell. I'm just a guy who loves movies and loves talking about them with a bunch of my friends. And this week on Double Exposure, we twist and groove into the world of concert films and join in on the topic of David Byrne and Talking Heads with the 1984 critically acclaimed concert experience, Stop Making Sense, and David Byrne's American Utopia, the Broadway play turned movie directed by the iconic Spike Lee. It is my honor to have Matt Watson, my wonderful producer, here to discuss everything David Byrne. Matt. Hello, Bear. Thanks for having me again on your wonderful podcast. Yeah, man. I'm smiling like an idiot because of <laughs> how joyful it is to be here with you talking about it, but also just talking heads, David Byrne. Oh my gosh. Just stopping yes. Sense American Utopia, everything from the get-go. This is just an incredibly energetic set of films. Yeah. Films, I guess. Yeah. Like yeah, it's weird. Yeah, definitely it's like, films. Definitely Definitely movies. It just breaks this unbelievable barrier of concert films, I think, too, which is a realm that I really got into with Stop Making Sense and is so like incredibly underrated, too, because you have so many like big time directors that actually are really invested in music. Like Mm -hmm. we have like Martin Scorsese has made so many um, music documentaries with Michael Jackson and Rolling Stones yes. and Bob Dylan and you've got David Fincher who started off as like a, a movie or a music video producer and all this and so here we have Jonathan Demi, Spike Lee they mm-hmm. both made films about David Byrne what do you think? Uh, it's music and film they they marry together so perfectly they are t- two sides of the artistic lens it's if a filmmaker doesn't have a passion for music in some capacity, I, I would certainly question uh, their vision. So to see so many uh, filmmakers sort of step into the role of, hey, I'm going to shoot a concert film for the for the artist that I love is terrific. And and here with David Byrne and the Talking Heads, I mean, I've got my, my big suit on, my oversized suit ready to go. <laughs> yeah, been... my suit is huge, <laughs> huge and monotone and gray. Yep. <laughs> I've been I've been dancing around a lamp all morning just to prepare for this podcast. I've been, yeah, just been jogging. I'm sweating profusely, yep. honestly. <laughs> Like, I'm just sweating so much. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So we're going to dive into Stop Making Sense Now, 1984 concert film, uh, which is a live performance by the American rock band Talking Heads. It's directed by Jonathan Demme. And this film was shot, I don't know if you knew this, it was actually shot not in one one night. It was shot over four different nights. Wow. um, At a series of shows at Hollywood's... um, Pantage, Pantages Theater in December 1983. And it was basically their tour for their unbelievable, just groundbreaking album, Speaking in Tongues, mm. which had several breakout hits such as Burn Down the House and This Must Be My Place, The Naive Melody. Yes. Um, all which are featured in this in this uh, movie. And so this was actually their performance, like they performed this for their tour with the big suit and with the backup band and the lights and stuff. The whole plan along was to have four different recordings because back then they didn't really know how they wanted to shoot it with film and everything. So they had four different angles for every single night. Okay. Um, And the whole process of that just came about them not wanting to really make it look like it was filmed on a, like just like a soundstage. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there was mm-hmm. no crowd. So they were like, well, how about we have four different shows? Because we're talking heads and we can definitely sell out four shows of yeah. unbelievable crowd, each one. And the energy from the crowd really makes it. Oh, it's it, it's terrific. It really, the whole piece feels like part music video, part live performance. And then just a little bit of performance art in there as well. Oh, 100% with various dancing from David Byrne and his backup singers. Mm-hmm. Um, just the choreography and the idiosyncrasy of all of their body movements. And they know when to move to the guitar and when to move with each other at the same time. Yes. It was incredibly, it's like it was incredibly rehearsed, but at the same time, it feels like it was also on a whim. Given the name Stop Making Sense. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like with a lot of David Byrne's work, uh, not that I'm going to pretend to understand the artistry of David Byrne fully because it's vast and complex, um, but he is very post-structuralist. He looks at the structure of everything and picks it apart. So I, I'd seen clips from Stop Making Sense like for the the past like I don't know 15 years. I, I'll watch like a random performance on YouTube, but this was the first time I'd watched the full film as one piece right and i i just love how clearly him and jonathan demi and maybe other people as well were like okay what do concert films look like right now and how can we pick apart the structure so like the band is going to come on one by one as each song progresses instead of just hey we're seeing you backstage and then welcome to the show and with all those backstage moments there's none of that it's just song after song after song but a narrative is told within the performance of the songs absolutely i love that we don't need the background you Mm -hmm. know and it's interesting too watching this some you know over 35 years later roughly probably more uh yeah not very not very right on my math right now but it's a it's a long time since one talking heads has truly like performed and had a consistent presence in the music industry, but also since this film, which really, really put them on the map, uh, Mm. has come out. And I think that this has aged more remarkably well when we're seeing a lot of music documentaries that are with massive pop artists, such as, you know, we've got massive documentaries from Katy Perry and Justin Bieber and One Direction, who fans love fans love seeing the behind the scenes and seeing them kind of break down in this, you know, more of a human persona that they're seeing behind the camera. Yeah. But with this, it's like, oh, we're just seeing their creative juices all out on the floor. Like it is yeah. we don't no context, you know? Absolutely no context of what they're about. You can go up and, you know, read a paper about it or mm-hmm. something like that and go, you know, talk to a friend about talking heads and learn about the history. But in this specific film, it is not their job to tell you about the band. It is simply to tell you this story that they've created mm-hmm. this night that they want to share that David Byrne has put hours of work into. So what do you think the true purpose of stop making sense is? Because in a way, it doesn't make sense. But is there a kind of narrative that you picked up on when you watched it? See, I, I'll, I'll loop back to my point about uh, post-stru- post-structuralism because I think it's, it's, it's there for interpretation. I think it's intentionally isn't what you described that we've, that we've seen in like the last 10 years of like the, the rebirth of the, the pop movie with like Katy Perry and Justin Bieber and stuff where the... Right. Uh, the the record labels are saying, here's the narrative of this artist, this commodified artist that we want you to absorb and give us money to see. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a little bit of a cynical analysis, but there's, that's just that's just how the economics of music works. Whereas this film and David Byrne, it's more like, here's the artistry of Talking Heads. Here's, mm-hmm. here's what we do night in, night out. Let's try and capture it into a single night or as it turns out, four nights, but edit it down into a single night and then it's it's your interpretation what it means and that's the important thing so much of david burns work is like the focus on the individual working as part of a collective it's 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 so important for his audience to draw their own conclusions is is my point absolutely i think from the perspective of the viewer and the audience too i can't imagine how different it would have been because a lot of the light sequences I was reading up on it and watching some interviews that David Byrne uh, talked about with the, like he, I think he revisited the film for an interview at a film festival for like the 30th anniversary. And he was talking about how so many times when you see concert footage there, if you follow the lighting of the stage, like word for word, uh, light bulb for light bulb in this case, then you're going to have a completely washed out person with, super dark contrasts and just really overwashed highlighted people. And it looks awful. It mm-hmm. looks like it was recorded on a VHS camera and not really in like a cool way. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so in this, they basically structured the show for a movie. Like it was like, we yes. filmed this to be a movie. And I feel like whatever the audience saw was incredibly bare bones. Was mm-hmm. it like very little light usage, very on purpose 
light usage and probably looked really, really good. Maybe not your classic concert lighting experience, which is very big flashing lights, mm-hmm. you know, or in some case, like just lights that change intermittently throughout the show. But this was background of visuals and text and, you know, a, yeah. like we mentioned earlier, a random lamp just on the stage. Yes, I love that lamp so much. I love that. You know what that is? It's kind of like a bit of his take. There's a, from a Fred Astaire movie. I can't think of the name, but he dances with a coat hanger or a coat rack. Okay. And he's, okay. he's dancing with it just like David Byrne. And that was some inspiration too. a little bit of that's, Fred Astaire, some Buster Keaton in there too. I was going to say that's interesting because I've put, I've got in my notes here that David Byrne's movements are like he's parodying a 50s, 60s like dancer slash rocker. That's and it's exactly like, it's it. like he understands the form of it and he's taking it all to the nth degree of like, what would this look like if it was schizophrenic kind of thing? <laughs> yeah. What would it look like if I dipped a 1950s actor in like acid? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. And just made him really, really sweaty and also just made art funk from the 80s. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. I want to talk about the energy of this thing. Oh, like yes, please. Absolute energy. I watched this with my roommate. The first time I watched this movie, it was one week after the pandemic like started, basically, where it was like mm-hmm. everybody has to stay home. Um, where I was working, I had to stop working there. School went online. And yeah, I was sad. I, I probably was depressed. I was just bummed. I probably was depressed. Yeah, that was like 10 and years was like, ago, right? That was ages ago. Yeah. Yeah, maybe 15. <laughs> it's felt like 15 years. God. <laughs> And I was sitting in my room at the time. I was living at my folks' house. And I was like, wow, I've heard so much about this. I think I need to throw this on. And at that moment, I didn't know what the world was going to be, you know? Mm-hmm. It had been... I went to my last concert in on March 6th, which was oh, wow. really, cutting it, really cutting it close. Yeah. And I did not realize that in November of 2020, I would still not be able to go to a show. So the first time I watched this, I was just addicted to the energy. I was like, man, I love concerts. I'm not mm-hmm. sad yet because maybe I'll go to a concert here in a couple months when this is all over. Uh-huh. But rewatching this and sitting on my couch with my roommate out of my parents' house, we both were just delighted afterwards, but like, wow, we're still in this and we can't experience this yet. Yeah. And the sheer energy of this is, I think, sad for where we are right now, but you have to remove yourself and think about how beautiful of a moment it is within with running around and the music like my foot was literally tapping the whole time there wasn't a single moment that I could not just yeah. stop grooving out a little bit you know kind of subdued grooving I, I was going to ask uh, a very important question and that's yeah. did, you, did you dance oh I fat I fat danced dude I big time danced uh, it did you was, dance oh yeah Oh yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. granted it was a Saturday morning and I was alone in my living room. <laughs> and so I had the freedom to do that, uh, without any inhibitions and it was wonderful. It was, it, it was very freeing. I, for both of these films, it, it, there was just this intense catharsis. There was mm. m- like married with melancholy of exactly what you just described of, wow, all these people together celebrating dancing over art Mm. But we can't do that right now. Mm. Like there is not a space we can go to where that would be fine. And that's part of me was like, but that's okay because that time will come again. And it'll be all the more powerful when it, when it does hit. But, but watching, watching this film and dancing around the living room is, is as as close I will get to the concert experience for some time. Exactly. It's really fun to revisit it with, I mean, you've got just some of the most iconic, like I would describe them as like just like psycho pop songs. Like the yeah. talking heads genre is just so fascinating with their groundbreaking ways of making pop music. You know, we have the concert open up with Psycho Killer, which yep. is extremely uh energetic with a full band, but it's just David Byrne walking up to the microphone saying, I've got a tape I want to play. <laughs> and then it just happens to be this drum loop of Psycho Killer and he's 
acoustic is playing. Like, how groundbreaking is that? Their most popular song, and they play it acoustic. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's kind of an F you to the industry. Like, no, we're not going to play this thing full blown. Uh, we're just going to play it acoustic guitar. You know, I love that. I love that. Yeah, and then in in contrast with that, uh, to, towards the, uh, w- the the performance of Once in a Lifetime, it has way more layers than the studio version. Uh, with like, there's almost like a, a rising gospel feel to it, um, and that just it's like the opposite of what they do with Psycho Killer, where they they add more layers instead of strip layers away, and that's part of the fun of live performance, like. There's nothing more disappointing than when you when you go see a band and they play their music in the exact same way that it is on the album. Yep. It's fine. I mean, it's fine. It's still good because you still like the right. band. But when they put extra twists on it for the for the live show, that's that's special. That's the sign of an artist. Oh my gosh, it's unbelievable with his voice cracks and I feel like when when I was listening to Stop Making Sense just by myself, like making breakfast in the morning and kind of revisiting it through my headphones, I could like hear the sweat in his, in his, on his face. Like I could just like, even though I'm not physically watching it and every time I just listen to the talking heads, I'm like, I'd rather just be watching them play right now. Like Mm -hmm. it's, they're so like visually captivating that I could just watch them. And while I listen to them all the time, but you can really feel the energy even just on MP3. And yeah, I love that all their songs when they play them live, there's just a different twist, you know, mm-hmm. with it be backup singers or yeah, just his delivery, his lyric change at times. Um, I love it. Yeah. Talking Heads, the band consists of David Byrne on lead vocals and guitar, the wonderful Tina Weymouth on bass, keyboard, bass and guitar, Chris France on drums and Jerry Harrison on guitar, keyboards and backing vocals. Uh, we also have Steve Scales, Lynn Mabry, Edna Holt, Alex Ware, and Bernie Worrell as the other backing vocals, guitar, and keyboards for the rest of the band during this live performance. Like we've been talking about, this is a concert film. It strictly is just a concert film. There's no really like them going behind the scenes or explanation or anything. It is cut and dry, 16 songs that they play, and a full-on concert, obviously filmed over four nights which is seamlessly edited, by the way. I oh. had no idea. Didn't even know the first time I saw it. No, I thought I, it was in I didn't one know fell swoop. Half an hour ago, until you just saw it. Oh my gosh. Me. Un- see, unbelievable. I Well, we were watching it. My roommate was like, you know, this is recorded for four different times, right? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? That is so good. It's very so impressive. Good. Very impressive. Very impressive. We have incredible songs in this set list. Um, Slippery people, burning down the house. I, d- I love burning down the house. Oh, so burning down the house is such a blast. It's you know, it sometimes it can get a bit repetitive if you've heard it, you mm-hmm. know, at various house parties sometimes. But the live part of it just makes me fall in love with it over yep. and over again. Fresh energy. I was dancing like David Byrne at every house party. Oh yes, it's the only I way love to dance. His dancing. Oh my <laughs> gosh, I love it when he does the thing with his arms and then wiggles his knees. Yep. and the camera just knows to shoot right on him for that. It's just, oh, it's so contagious. It's a controlled frenzy, is what it is. I love life during wartime. Yes, and we. This must be the place. The naive melody. I that song for some reason has just emotionally moved me I think throughout the week like yeah like I think the line where he says you've got light in your eyes like I'm guessing this must be the place just being content with where you are I think that's what this film is it's just like we're all here right now yes these are songs that are takes on society but these are songs that are just to have fun and to unite the people and I think that's just what David Byrne is about which is like you know what? I'm guessing this just must be the place you've, you know, once in a life, you've got, this is your once in a lifetime chance to come here and dance with all these, all these ener- energetic young people, too, yeah. which is really great. The crowd is so young in comparison to American Utopia. The crowd is like <laughs> so old, which means all the people that were at Stop Making Sense are now at American yep. Utopia. They've, it's they've so good. Up, yeah. They've grown up with him and it, it's, yes. it's, it's a, sh- I mean, me- I say that we're young and we're gushing over the music of David Byrne. Right. Um, so it's his artistry isn't completely lost on our generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and given how ahead of his time his art is, I think it's like 
resurfacing in a lot of ways. I mean, we can talk about it later when we talk about American Utopia, but his his artistic style is once again relevant in the age that we live in right now. A uh, lot of comparisons between the mid eighties and and now, so it it make it makes it's it's starting to make sense. Is yes, what it's doing it, there. It's making a little. It's making a little bit of sense as its age. <laughs> I think when this came out, it made no sense. Yeah, yeah. I love it. At sort of, I think it's like at the end of the first third of the set. Uh, he just asks the audience, like, "Does anyone have any questions?" Like and really, then, <laughs> really short breath. Yeah. Does anyone it, have any questions? <laughs> Boom! And, <laughs> and just right into it. It's it's so good. It's like it again. I'm gonna say it again, and I'm gonna repeat terms every time I come on this wonderful podcast but uh it's it's poor structuralist to do so it's to that's not the question to ask yep. in that setting that's the sort of question that someone asks at a lecture hall after they finished a talk on something where you would be in front of a similar crowd like a similar sized crowd in a similar setting right but it's not the question you ask at a concert so it's understanding the form it's understanding this is the kind of thing that someone says into a microphone in front of lots of people but i'm doing it as a joke Exactly. Like, you know, why does why why do I have to answer a question and have it or why do I have to ask a question and have it be answered? Mm-hmm. You know? Like what sense does that make? You know? I love it how this whole thing is just like time doesn't really matter within it. And the structure of it all is absolutely incredible. But the whole theme of it is time really time is not the controller. Like letting the days go by. You yeah. Know, water hold but- me down like it's, time isn't after us, I think, is a line in that. Exactly. Like, just stop making sense as the line from Girlfriend is Better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why do you have to explain everything? Why does this film have to be explained? Why does the background of it have to be explained? I think what Talking Heads was trying to do was just basically to quote Kanye West, like, shut up and give the kids the music, man. Like, <laughs> just give the kids the music. Like, exactly. Like, you like I want to go to a concert, me, Bear Boswell. I want to go to a concert and just feel the music with yep. all the sweaty young people around me and just have a great time. I love it when they talk to, but they don't need to because I hear what they have to say through the words of the music. Yes. Stop Making Sense is arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, concert film. It's a happy, sad moment with where we are at in the pandemic. It's happy because my foot taps the entire time to the best of David Byrne jogging around aimlessly. But it's sad because it's been a while since I've been to a concert, and it will probably be a while more. But regardless, this is an incredibly energetic piece of work. Um, Talking Heads are one of my favorite bands now, and I'm just so excited to dive into their discography after watching this incredible film. I'm going to give this movie a very strong five out of five. As we depart from Stop Making Sense, we enter into this new world of David Byrne. I... I read somewhere that someone said he was reinventing himself, but after watching this, it's, he's kind of just doing the same thing, which is just showing absolutely incredible artistic talent on stage. And that is his 2020 Broadway uh, performance, American Utopia. This was recorded, I believe, around a year ago in 2019 um, in New York City on Broadway. Um, and this is uh, basically an adaptation of David Byrne's concert uh tour basically uh for his uh recent album american utopia released in 2018 basically this is david byrne in his very stripped down uh stage performance directed by the incredible spike lee i mean spike lee is one of my favorite directors will be for a long time him and david byrne who both have kind of a similar path of coming up around the same time collab some 35 years after they cross paths is incredible and this film is radiating with just as much energy as stop making sense yeah it you mentioned at the start there about people saying how he was reinventing himself and then you said that you felt like it was the same i would posit that it's both at the same time Mm. and that both answers are correct in that it's still the artistry of david byrne in that he's uh, transfixed by individual creativity 
when it's forced into collaboration and like the connections between individuals there's the opening with the brain talking about all of the different parts of the brain and how hey this is us this is all of us we can do what Mm -hmm. we want with this um as well as other references throughout throughout the show but i think it's it's a very different david byrne to me uh from the david byrne in stop making sense it's almost like an artist who is like oh I spent all of this time making art, but we kind of need to use the art to change the world a little bit. And maybe we fell short in uh, what's referred to as the postmodern period where we took the structures and sort of made fun of them or uh, had a laugh at their expense or pointed out the flaws in them, but then did nothing about them. But now it's time to use that same energy to do things like tackle the climate crisis or he he has a huge monologue in it about registering to vote and stuff and it's like it's trying to find the balance between you can be an individual artist but you can also be a part of the fabric of society at the same time and in fact society becomes more nourished if we all approach it like this and i thought that was beautiful and it's like an evolution of his perspective essentially same art different artist Absolutely. It's a maturity within his platform that he's reached. You know, we saw in Stop Making Sense, we saw this young David Byrne running around, sweating, just kind of just going crazy, like just unbelievable energy. He still has that energy, Mm -hmm. but he's subdued. He has more to say. He's experienced over 30 years of the music industry, probably various highs and lows. And honestly, in the grand scheme of life, he's probably experienced more lows than highs because that's just how it goes. You know, being a human is tough. We are flawed completely. Mm -hmm. And if you're to say that your life is perfect, it's not. And I think his little monologues here and there where he is incredibly different from Stop Making Sense where there's no monologues. And Mm -hmm. this, this is... I read that someone described Stop Making Sense as a total performance, not a concert. And I disagree greatly because this is a performance. This right here is a performance Uh piece where David Byrne was like, I have an album called American Utopia where I want to invite people into what I believe America could be. And then I want to make a Broadway play and portray that album physically as best as I can. And I want to bring in immigrants from all over the world, black people, white people, Hispanic, and I want them to play these instruments on stage with me, a white man, and I want them to tell the story of how we can unite together instead of just me, David Byrne, on stage with an acoustic guitar. I think he realized later on, like, and he's a a Scottish immigrant. He uh, came from Scotland when he was three years old from his folks. And so he can speak from that greatly, which Mm -hmm. I think is incredible. And so I love his cultural appreciation that he brings into another just really, really, really phenomenal performance. Yeah, absolutely. I think if, if, if he, if he'd have gone on stage with American Utopia and just played exclusively, like what are the hits from, from my back catalog, then the monologues in between would have come across as a little preachy but there wasn't a single sort of song to few paragraphs to song that didn't logically connect. And he was choosing some quite deep cuts from his back catalog and various like collaborations with, like I was really surprised uh, that his, one of his tracks from his collaboration with St. Vincent was on there. Cause that was like one of the only collaboration albums I'd heard. And I was like, Oh, I know this song. Oh yeah. wait, it can it blends exactly into what he was just talking about. So it's more like a curation of his entire work to fit I suppose the year 2018-2019, but in a lot of ways it's still relevant <laughs> today and and got, has gotten scary relevant um in the last year. This is honestly one of the most important things to come out this year and one of the most encouraging things I think mm. for everyone. This when I watched after I watched this and I had goosebumps like every song, man. I was yeah, just like, are yeah. you kidding me? After this came out and from what I res- like heard from just audience um, reaction was this is the most important thing to u- unite us right now. Because, I mean, 
the classic phrase, we're so divided, but we literally are. I mean, we're in, you know, we have a pandemic amidst our presence and none of us have truly, really seen each other and experienced group settings in mm-hmm. several months now. And this was kind of like the last hurrah before the pandemic. You know, this pandemic actually shut down his show and David Byrne went on to talk about how he probably won't release, like they won't go back on Broadway until, you know, you have to have a full room of people. Like you can't do stuff like this unless you can't do it with 25% capacity. There's just a time and place. And he sounded so like, you know what? It is what it is. It really sucks right now, but we'll get there at some point. And it's like, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. What? (laughs) Cause here I am just whining like a baby. I'm like, I want to go hang out with people now. And he's like, it'll come at some point in the meantime, Here's this and live yes. in this, rewatch it over and over again, understand the cultural importance of it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was so great seeing all of those people together in a modern setting, uh, released post pandemic. And just, it was, again, it's that catharsis. It's the, well, I can't experience this right now, but it's a reminder that we will experience it again. A lot of the people like who are, who have sort of been the chief voices of complaining about sort of the struggles of the past year and they have been struggles are the people who I don't think were ever engaging with the beauty of existence anyway like they weren't they weren't sort of connecting with people in the way that a lot of us who who tried to do that uh, are missing it and sort of in a very David Byrne way sort of just coping and being like yep it's gonna come back it'll it'll be back it'll be okay yeah we'll come back to it I think yeah when you talked about just some of like the deep cuts of his catalog. Mm. Oh my gosh. When he, I did not, yeah, I didn't really know anything about this going into it. Didn't know what he was going to play. I didn't look up the soundtrack or anything. And so when I, yeah, first put, put it on and he opened up with the last track on his album, uh, American Utopia with here, like talking about the brain and then goes into the monologue about how a, like a newborn baby has, more uh, neurons in their brain than a human mm-hmm. and like all like the feelings and stuff. And he, that's actually a reference to his grandson, I believe, or granddaughter, his daughter. He's a grandfather now, which is crazy. crazy. David yeah. Byrne <laughs> as your grandfather. I want David Byrne as my grandfather. Absolutely. Dude, are you kidding me? It'd be hilarious. It'd be so odd. It'd be so <laughs> strange. But then he, he played, I know sometimes a man is wrong and that's my favorite David Byrne song. That's good. All time. And it is a deep cut. Like that yeah. is a very, and it's like, like an ender on one of his albums that I think came out like 10 years after Naked, which is the last Talking Heads record. And it was a very, cause he gotten into like this Latin pop kind of phase mm-hmm. and it was very, I think it was just like an organ or something. And man, that song is good. Like, like I know man is wrong. I don't have all the answers, but at least I can admit to my imperfections and just come on here and have a good time. And hopefully you can too. And we can just have a good time and we can talk about how society does this and this and this, but then we can also talk about how we can help each other and do better. Yeah. I think like how he admits wrong is incredibly humbling as a person and makes him a wonderful, vulnerable artist that, you know, yes, the music is good and it sounds good, but it also has a message that people can relate to and learn something from. Yes. A hundred percent. I agree with all of the above. Oh, yeah. So obviously this was much more of a performance art piece than than Stop Making Sense was. Right. Um, and I, I don't necessarily have the answers to these questions. And I, I'm more curious as to the as to someone else's interpretations of them, because that's how my mind works. But what do you think the significance of the the two main dancers were like the it was it was this great group of musicians all together but the first two figures who emerge after david byrne uh the the two glammed up dancers who just kind of dance for an hour and a half straight oh yeah they they, they're like the backup the main backup singers and the dancers Mm -hmm. i believe is who they are i thought about that greatly because i was so captivated by their uh-huh. Oh my gosh, their movement and their facial expressions and the man's makeup and her hair and oh my gosh. And it was just incredible. We have this ginger guy with yeah. makeup on. He looks wonderful, beautiful. And then we have this beautiful black woman with her hair 
and then you just have this awkward David Byrne. And I think honestly, it was just diversity. Like it was, it was yeah. two people that David Byrne is the least like as far as appearance goes. And they were going to be the ones to kind of like surround him, but he also surrounded them. Like, yeah. yes, it was David Burden's thing and the light was often on him, but he wasn't going to do it alone. He wasn't going to dance alone. And he was going to bring in a white man and a black woman. He wasn't going to bring in two black women or two white men or two white women. You know, he was going to add all these different things. So I think what it was really about was bringing in different cultures of people mm-hmm. to help him because I think he realized how much we need other cultures in this life instead of just our own American culture. So he was going to get two people from different walks of life to help him. And they're both American, but they both still have very different backgrounds that you can just kind of, not that I know off the, of my hand, but just by watching them and their movements and their interactions and their, his glamor and more of her stoicness. Like, yeah. Like she, she represented like, traditional masculinity and he represented traditional femininity so it was like Mm -hmm. this full yeah you're spot on in 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 terms of that analysis of just being like it's they are the closest representation to us as in humanity on stage with him connecting right being as one collaboration yeah top top marks bear that's an a plus for that analysis thank you sir I'm, I give it to David Byrne for helping me see that. He, I, I can't tell you enough how much I've been captivated by him this week and really just enthralled and just satisfied by his presence. I watch various talk show uh, interviews where he goes on various late night shows, which I'm not always a huge fan of, but there's a few out there that are pretty solid. Um, like love Seth Meyers, love Colbert. You know, those guys are always knocking out of the park. And they understand like really good music most of the time. And so they bring David Byrne on and he is just so pleasant and so such a calming voice within a very stressful time. So choosing Mm -hmm. these two movies is probably the best decision I've ever made for this podcast. I think (laughs) just amidst the stress of this year, you know? Yeah. No, I was so happy because I hadn't seen American Utopia and I'd only seen clips from Stop Making Sense. And when you were like, okay, Matt, uh, come on the podcast, talk about these films. I was like, okay, cool. That's That sounds like fun. But I didn't realize how much meaning I would draw from them and how, how much they would consume my week. It felt like just proper, just good film club, just classic film club of being like, you know what? Bear knows his stuff because he's picked the movies that match my personality so much and i feel like at least for the next few weeks into everything that i create or do there's going to be a little bit of that freeing mindset of well we're getting through this we're all together we we were all together we are all together and we will all be together again Mm, great point yeah the the inclusion of uh hell yeah tambout the protest song from Janelle Monet. I love the little bit, the little caveat before it. That's like most older white people who are really trying their best in terms of like, kind of, is it okay for me to sing this? Uh, like, because yeah. I understand <laughs> the cultural perspectives. It it came across as very like, okay, this is how easy it is to do the right thing. Um, yep. Yet there are a lot of people his age of of a certain skin color, white, who seem to struggle <laughs> with that for some reason. When all it takes is asking a question. And yes. usually the answer is yes, we're all together. We're all in this. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that was that was so powerful. That was such a powerful piece that has only been made more powerful uh, in in the last year. And it just, yeah. What what were your thoughts on it? Because because anything I would say is just repeating a lot of the the stuff I've said already. Well, I think it's worthy of being repeated too. The cultural and just social significance of this track was so important for 2019. Um, but especially now with what we've seen with black lives matter and with the deaths of Breonna Taylor, uh, Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd, who are very much shown within the film, which is interesting because they add him at the very end. They Mm -hmm. add, they're the three of them, uh, at the very end to celebrate them and show the significance of their deaths. But I think a lot of this song came from Spike Lee, who Mm. he Spike Lee is 
yeah, Brooklyn director, uh, black director who has done dozens of films, lots of bad ones uh, of experimentation, but does any director, you know, he has a vision uh, and his vision is to celebrate the black people of everywhere, honestly, specifically of America, those who are oppressed. So for him to collab with David Byrne, I knew going into it, I was like, how, how, do, how am I going to know this is Spike Lee? Because during the whole performance, I mean, it's visually, holy moly, this thing visually is spectacular. And I know Spike Lee has an amazing vision. But I was like, how am I going to know that this is Spike Lee? And I was just waiting for it. I was yeah. like, he's going to mention something. I know what it's going to be, but it's going to happen. And then as soon as David Byrne said, this is a Janelle Monet song, I was like, yep, this is it. The drums came out, and basically mm-hmm. it was this chant of a song, like say his name or say her name, which is saying the names of victims who were, I'll say it, brutally murdered by white police. Yeah. And Spike Lee's a huge advocate for saying the names of those people and bringing their names to the court systems and mm-hmm. putting their names all over social media so you know their names, you know their family, you know, when they were born, when they died, you know, the name of the cop that killed them. And it's incredibly uncomfortable. You're just like, oh, my gosh, we're saying the name of this person that was shot by police. Like, geez. But it's like, yeah, you are. Yeah. Because you need to know it. You you need to feel it. Do you know what their family's feeling? Do you know what mm-hmm. they felt in their last moments? Because you, you don't have a damn clue, you know? Where it's like, you need to sit down and realize what this is about. And I feel like David Byrne wanting... Spike Lee to help him with that. And then having the big poster images uh, with the fam- with the mothers holding the photos. Come yeah. on, dude. That was heart-wrenching. But that was so important. And I think Spike Lee was the perfect guy to do this and to collab with David Byrne, who's just, yeah, I want to do this too. I'm open for everything. I want to be open to your culture and everything. And they're both Brooklyn uh, guys. I think David Byrne lives in Brooklyn now. And they both love New York. Uh, as you kind of see at the end of the film when they're like riding bikes through New York and yes. stuff. It's that was so wonderful. Great. Uh, that, yeah. Oh, go oh, ahead. I was just, I was just going to say to, to jump on that at the end. Cause I loved the, the closing sort of few minutes of this after the encore. Mm-hmm. First of all, I, 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 every sequence from the moment that they leave the stage to perform in a train and interact with the audience, that makes you think about people interacting in such a way, but it's also, it goes back to his roots of deconstructing how this is supposed to go, bridging that gap between audience and stage. And then the camera being behind the screen as the screen, as the the screen closes and on the audience, as opposed to closing on the act is like, we are, we are not part of the audience. We were part of the collaboration. Mm-hmm. If you, if you were watching this, and then just exiting out onto onto New York on the bikes and how he has this revered level of celebrity, but clearly has cultivated and developed a fan base that understands that celebrity is meaningless. There is like, yes. he was just able to hop on a bike and ride off into the New York night. Like he probably nothing. went home, I think is what he did. He literally yeah. probably just rode his bike home with his helmet, which was like a cap. Yeah. <laughs> like a knit, like a, like a Sherlock Holmes kind of cap. So good. And just this big white puffy jacket. It was probably super cold, mm-hmm. you know, and just riding his bike. Like he's a man of the people. Definitely. Stop making sense was a performance. We were the audience. Yes. With this, we were on stage with them. We would stop making sense. We were in like, we were the audience and it, yes. and it made sense for that film. We didn't need to know anything about it. It didn't make sense for us to, but American Utopia makes the most sense because David Byrne has learned and he's grown and he wants us to jump into the experience. That's why the camera's on stage and, you know, it's above and it's flowing in throughout the different band members and it's with them in the train and afterwards on the bike. Like, and I mm-hmm. love how they use a GoPro too. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's just like, eh, yeah, F it. Let's just use a GoPro. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's great. Easiest. It's, it's easiest. You don't need this big fancy camera that, you know, you need like this like self moving dolly for it's like, no, let's just use a GoPro. Yeah. Kind of as like a final remark, um, about the film, just the, the voting, uh, portion of it, the, yes. where he stands up and kind of has this like, call to vote 
for uh, headcount.org. Um, it's really interesting because he like talks about how like local elections really matter and this is how many people voted last election. And to see as we're entering kind of the final results of our current election and that like seven over 70% of Americans voted, like, mm-hmm. you know, people did go out and people showed up for the local ones too. Like really interesting contrast in that. It's just unbelievable the time that this thing was released. I think this was released in, I want to say it was released in August and just really relevant for yeah. the times. Because a year ago, he it was recorded. He was talking about all this. And all that was like simultaneously answered and unanswered. With the voting, everyone showed up and came out. Yeah, But everyone is completely separated right now and everyone's angry. And this is a movie that can unite them. So I think the contrast of him speaking, like knowing that it's a former recording and then seeing what we're experiencing now, super fascinating and almost genius contrast, honestly, like it aged itself. It didn't need any like kind of push of like putting in that direction or any extra editing. It just, the performance happened, they filmed it, they edited it and then it sat in, you know, at HBO until they released it. And then here we are. And it just matters so much. Yeah, it's it's proof once again that he understands people. He understands society and the fabric of it. He he gets it and so was pretty spot on with how we'd all be feeling, what we'd all need at this particular time. Um, and yeah, just celebrating the thing because togetherness is so important even within periods of extreme division. Like no matter how way you cut and, and look at the 2020 election in America, that 70 plus percent turnout rate is a positive for everyone. That's, that's democracy Mm -hmm. working. That's, that's people coming together to make a decision. And that's beautiful. I didn't want to say this in the, uh, in the podcast, because I think it's really cheesy to read out people's lyrics. Like that's just a personal perspective, but (laughs) I love the the lyric and we're not little children and we know what we want and the future is certain give us time to work it out and it's like that was a that was a rallying cry for his generation that never really came to fruition but is one that you're starting to see from our generation a lot more and like the the generation underneath us in terms of how we respond to issues like Mm -hmm. with like with black lives matter like with uh the climate crisis and stuff of just being like no we we know what we need to do to fix these things. Just let us do it. That's yeah, like, the that's the only thing it, that's stopping right? us is just let, let us fix it. Exactly. Yeah. We put our worth and, and our trust in just higher ups to fix it, but it really starts with the democracy of the people. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Okay. So two films, one man, <laughs> kind of, sort of, <laughs> um, one being a concert and one being a performance or a Broadway play, essentially. Both 36 years apart. Uh, Matt, what do you think is what do you think is pretty, pretty similar here? Just the the artistry of David Byrne. Uh, it, he really stays consistent in his idea of collaboration, t- deconstructing form. That's all there throughout both films. His perspective changes, but he himself as an artist in those 36 years remains pretty constant. I totally agree. I think he has, yeah, has remained one of the most incredible influences in art pop um, and just kind of the alternative music world, I think, too, giving a stage for people who, bit offbeat, bit strange, strange Mm -hmm. thoughts, abstract thoughts, very abstract performances, but the year and yeah, they I think American Utopia will age well just as well as stop making sense, honestly. Yeah. I think the difference in these films comes pretty great as well, too, with stop making sense not having an agenda and American mm-hmm. Utopia insisting that there be an agenda and and asking too politely, like, can we show you this? But also forcing, you know, we'll stop making yeah. sense comes in and it's just a beautiful, delightful concert experience. American Utopia is a beautiful, delightful cry for the unity of the American people. Yeah, it's it's definitely, the, the agenda is there, but it's like, here's how we can use art for change. 
as opposed to do this, do that kind of thing. It's, it's presenting a set of ideas, um, which is how good change happens. Very, very little positive change comes from people saying, here's how we do it now. It's the explanation of why that change is happening and, and why there's the need, the need for change. Um, and that's presented very clearly throughout American Utopia. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Just in general, he's just such a good artist. Like yeah. just to step away from the seriousness of it. He, he just, his voice has aged so well and he mm-hmm. sounds just as good as he did in the eighties. Yeah. And the music is so contagious. He plays some old talking head songs in this one, like, which is great. You know, of course he does. He basically, oh, yeah. owns the especially the, the relevant ones, like finishing on road to nowhere is like, that's oh, just, my gosh. yep. Th- those are the times we live in. Yep. Going on a road to nowhere. Yeah. It's, I, I don't think he intended this to be as relevant for where we are at in 2020 now, mm-hmm. but it is incredible to see that it did, you know, yeah. and that every intention he had was, you know, completely unknowing of where we would be today. But the fact that it can age like that is absolute supreme artistry. So David Byrne is captivating my eye more and more as a deep dive into the talking heads, his own solo work, and just his creative ambition for film. I'm in so much awe of his bare bones attempt at showing us what the human experience is like from actually an autism spectrum genius who simply creates to share with the world. Stop Making Sense is a concert. American Utopia is an interactive experience meant for the people and essentially by the people. It is driven by a social reform and the unity of people crying out for justice and it attempts to answer the question why do we see each other? Why are you in my house? Why am I watching TV? It's just as toe tapping as stop making sense, but all more cohesively profound with his direction by Spike Lee. And these are some of my two favorite people in entertainment as they create this unbelievable piece of work that leaves you emotionally drained and frankly, energetically sad too. I'm going to give this film a strong four and a half out of five. Well, Matt, thanks for coming in and oh, yeah, anytime. talking David Byrne, talking heads, stop making sense, American Utopia, just an overall beautiful, beautiful time. And I appreciate you really wanting to dive into this with me. It's just, I love talking about it and glad that you also love talking about it. Same. This, this time flew by. Absolutely flew by. I could talk about it forever. I am Bear Boswell. Thank you so much for checking out this podcast. You can support us by subscribing to us on your chosen podcast player. We put this podcast out for free every two weeks. So if you want to give back, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars is great. And if you want to suggest a film, a topic, or just express your thoughts, get in touch via email at defilmpod at gmail.com. Tune in next week when Jason joins on the podcast again and gets to teach me about the intricacies around group superhero films with comic book movies such as Watchmen and Justice League.